Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to the Keeping It 100 radio segment, Empowered Voices. I'm Valeria Garcia, certified health coach, type 1 diabetic, women's wellness coach and mentor inside Needles and Spoons, and alumni of our signature program, Keeping It 100. Inside this segment, I hold space and interview individuals, leaders, and supporters from the T1D community to share their story, journey, experiences, and wisdom to empower, inspire, and share their light. To find these conversations live, join us inside the T1D Judgment-Free Zone Facebook group. We did it. Um, Okay, everyone, we are so excited to have Dr. Mark Heyman join us today. Some of you may know him from his famous Diabetes Psychologist podcast. He's also the founder of the Center for Diabetes and Mental Health, and he's a T1D himself, and he's also a certified diabetes educator. So we're so excited to talk a little bit today about navigating the mental health side of diabetes. We all know it's not talked about enough. I never had deeper conversations um, about mental health and diabetes when I was diagnosed. So we're super excited to dive a little deeper today with Mark. Awesome. Well, glad glad to be here. Yeah. So Mark, you can, I know I did a little intro, but feel free to introduce yourself. Let us know where you're located and how long you've had diabetes. Yeah, so I'm Mark Heyman. Uh, I live in San Diego, and I work in San Diego. Uh, but really, my work is worldwide, uh, thanks to Zoom and all kinds of fun technology like that. Um, I'm a diabetes psychologist, so my work focus is really on helping people with type 1 diabetes navigate the emotional landmines that come up with diabetes. And really, I, I do a couple things. Um, when I first started off, I was just seeing patients, which is is awesome. It's really great to be able to support people one-on-one. I, I still do that and will never stop doing that. But what I realized is that people with type 1 diabetes need a lot of things. Um, and there's probably, if we have 100 people with diabetes, there may be two or three of them who need to see me or someone like me. Um, but there's also, there's also a big need uh, in the mental health world for the other 97 people. And so my goal is to really give people what they need uh, for to support their mental health when they need it. So it may be a podcast. It may be seeing me individually. It may be um, an Instagram post. It may be any any variety of things. Um, and so really, we want to make sure that people see mental health support not as something that's come to an office every week to talk to a therapist for. For some people, that's true. But for many people, it's not. And so how can we support you in your diabetes where you are? Um, I've been living with diabetes for almost, it'll be 22 years. No, 20, 23 years this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, time flies. I was diagnosed when I was in college. So that was 20, it would be 23 years on June the 1st wow. of this year. Wow. Yeah. See, I was older also. I was diagnosed when I was 23. So like right after college, um, I always find that so interesting. I always just love to hear, you know, the different ages. Cause I think all the different experiences are just so unique and different, especially with like the age and time of life. Um, and I love that you're so close to me <laughs> here in San Diego. Um, but I love what you said about kind of breaking down those barriers of one, getting resources and support. And yeah, we all feel comfortable in different ways with how we receive that support. And that, and I love that 
you have now with all this like virtual space, online space, you're able to extend your reach to like so many people all over. It's great. Yeah. And I think that the big challenge um, for mental health professionals, which you may, may or may not know, is that I get emails from people all over the country asking for resources and support. And if they want therapy, we can't give it to them because my, me and my team are only licensed in California. And so we're not able to provide therapy for anybody who's not actually physically located in California. Um, and so we really need we really need to find ways to expand our reach, um, both because we think it's important um, to go beyond therapy, but also just because of the, the legal ramifications. Yeah, yeah, I did not know that. Um, so that's great. Yeah, I, I love that podcasts, you know, having Facebook groups, Instagram, all of those spaces really create or they really do break down that barrier so we can, you know, connect with everyone. Oh, that's so amazing. And I love that people are seeking you out and finding you because honestly, I was reading through your entire website um, this last week and I was like, wow, I didn't know that all of these resources were out there either. You know, it wasn't something that my endo was like, hey, if you need support with your mental health or like this is a piece that is heavy during the diagnosis and throughout the whole journey, you know, no one had that conversation. And I honestly didn't talk about it. I would say until, you know, I joined Needles and Spoons as a client. That was the first time I was able to connect with the community, talk about how I was feeling and not feel judged or bad for the feelings that I was having. So they were able to surface and it felt really good just to have a space to release that, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the community and having, having people who get it is so important for our mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your center that you found and your team. Yeah. So the Center for Diabetes Mental Health is really, so it started off as a, as a mental health clinic. I mean, it's really, the center sounds very grandiose and it's really just a mental, it's an office where we, we see patients. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've been doing, I've, I've been seeing patients uh, around diabetes full-time for the past seven years or so. Um, and, you know, and all, as well as doing some consulting and helping companies like Deccom and Tandem um, and some of the local companies, especially understand their patients better. So really, and then I, and then doing a lot of speaking, talking to healthcare providers, also talking to patients about um, mental health issues. And then again, like I, about two years ago, we really saw this need to expand, to expand our reach and expand our service offerings really. And so um, again, we see patients, but then we also really, really focusing on developing resources and developing tools and developing, um, you know, things that people can use to get them where, to where they want to be. Um, right now, my team is myself and a colleague of mine. Um, her name is Dr. Jenna Lee Woldbridge. She's a psychologist. She's not, not, not had diabetes, but she is an expert in diabetes, especially in fear of lows. Um, her, her training is around fear of hypoglycemia. And she trained with one of the best experts in the field um, there. And so she's a great addition to um, the team. And I think that as the demand for therapy grows, um, we'll probably bring on some other folks. But as you can imagine, it's challenging to find people who are qualified. I mean, people want to be empathetic and they want to understand, they want to see people, people with diabetes. Um, but unless you get it, unless you understand the language, unless you understand the, the specific challenges, um, you're not going to be an effective mental health provider. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. 
wow, I love that specialty, you know, about the fear of lows. Yeah. See, like I wouldn't know that's a specialty out there. So this is awesome. I'm learning so much already. Um, That's great. It sounds like you really have, yeah, that 360 support too. And you have different experts on the team and you're right. I think diabetes is so unique because it's that every second day to day, meal to meal, movement to movement kind of um, experience that we're having every day. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's very unique and having providers that can really be empathetic and see what that experience is like is what we all need. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So today we have some pre-submitted questions for Mm -hmm. you. So I'll just share the question and then feel free to share whatever feels aligned for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So the first one we had submitted was how do you come out of a diabetic burnout? Uh, That's a great question. Probably one of the questions I get most often. So first I want to say that diabetes burnout is completely normal. And while we want to come out of it, I, I think that, the, that really the first step is understanding that what you're experiencing, everyone with diabetes experiences it. And if they're, they, t- they tell you they don't, they're lying to you. Uh, it's, it's impossible to live with diabetes every day of your life, um, having to think about carb counting and exercise and how, how much insulin you have on board, all of those factors without getting overwhelmed and burnt out sometimes. And so, and I think that we have a, mindset sometimes a lot of times I, I certainly fall into this as well where we see burnout as a problem and what happens when you see something as a problem is you try to fix the problem but the pro- the, the challenge is is there's not necessarily an easy fix to burnout and you can replace anxiety you can replace all these other words in that in burnout but we're talking about burnout right now and then, but the more you try to fix it, the more you try to push it away and say, I don't want to feel burnt out anymore. I want to get rid of diabetes. The more it becomes a bigger part of your life. So you see people with diabetes burnout, maybe stop taking care of themselves, stop taking their insulin or, ta- or take insulin less regularly. Well, what happens? They don't feel very good. They may go into decay and end up in the hospital. Maybe they, maybe someone with burnout doesn't talk about diabetes to their friends. So what happens? They're out for dinner or they're with friends and they have to hide their diabetes. They have to go to the bathroom to give themselves insulin. And all of those things make diabetes a lot more challenging than it is. Um, if you, you can see that diabetes burnout is normal and that it generally passes, um, it, d- it doesn't stay stable. It go, the, the feelings of burnout rise and fall on a minute by minute basis. And or maybe more, you know, more, I, a better way of understanding is on a day by day basis, how, how burnout you feel right now is different than how burnout you'll feel tomorrow that can be really helpful to see that it's changing. So um, cut yourself some slack, um, realize that it's normal and stop trying to make it go away. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of the big, the biggest thing, because the more you focus on how do I get rid of it? How do I get out of it? The more of a, the more consuming it becomes. If you're able to see that it's normal and able to see that this is part of the process, it makes it easier to deal with. And then in terms of, you know, we want to make sure that we're not being dangerous in our behavior, you know, not taking it or not avoiding taking insulin, things like that. And so if that's where you are out right now, pick an action that not pick, pick basically the lowest hanging fruit, pick with the one thing that you can do. If you do nothing else, um, that's going to have the biggest impact. So for, for some people that may be taking their basal insulin, if you can't do anything else, take your basal insulin, that'll keep you out of the hospital for the most part. For other people, it may be eating no carbs for breakfast. 
um, to keep your blood sugar stable kind of over the course of the first hours of the day. But whatever that is for you, pick that one thing and, and, and do that. Because if you feel like you're having to do all the things, all 10, 15, 30 things you have to do in an hour, of course, you're going to be overwhelmed. And if you're able to pick that one thing that's going to have the biggest impact, everything else will fall into line. And you'll be able to uh, feel like you're, you've gotten somewhere. And the best way to feel not burnt out is by feeling like you're making progress. I loved that. That was great. Yeah. I love the lowest hanging fruit. We kind of talk about that too, within our program. Um, and I like the way that you said, you know, it's like this experience that we have that really ebbs and flows and we can look at it as yeah, something temporary. Um, and honestly, like I think about any emotion, whether it's outside of diabetes, they're always just like energy in motion. They come and then they pass. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a good way to see it as like embracing that that's a normal part of this disease. And that's just normal to feel that. Um, and that, that makes me feel comforted because yeah, of course there's times where I feel burnt out. Um, but knowing that it is temporary and that I can choose that low fruit and just do that for myself to feel that progress. Um, it's just a great reminder. Yeah. I mean, really a bit, the biggest part of my work and kind of, if you were to boil down what, like what I do, it's to help people see that no matter what diabetes throws their way, that they can handle it, that there's nothing there that you can't handle. I mean, and you can, this is not diabetes specific. We talk about this in terms of anything that happens in life. Um, but you, your people are resilient. People with diabetes are especially resilient. And so if you start believing that diabetes burnout has gotten me down and I can't, and I'm, I can't get back up, um, you're going to be in a tough spot. But if you're able to see how yeah, diabetes burnout is here, it, it doesn't feel good. It's, it sucks. Like my blood sugars are high, but I can get through it. It makes it much easier. Yes, definitely. Yes, I feel that. <laughs> um, okay, our second question is acceptance. How do you mm -hmm. help foster acceptance of this diagnosis? Yeah, it's a tough one, especially for folks who are diagnosed maybe a little bit later in life and they remember what diabetes, what life was like before diabetes. I certainly do. I'm probably, yeah. I'm probably, about, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually right now about my halfway mark where I, I've lived half my life with diabetes and half my life without diabetes. And so it's a, it's a tough thing. Um, again, the first thing is, is recognize, recognizing that like that having trouble accepting is normal. Um, you'll hear me say that's over and over again, but what, what you're feeling is normal. But the other thing is, 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 um, well, a couple of things. One is recognizing what's changed for you and what hasn't changed. I think we have this view that, um, you know, we have life before diabetes and life after diabetes. And if that's you, I want you to think about the things that you have in, or the things about, about you that have been stable for a long time that haven't changed with diabetes or really haven't changed at all. So you are, uh, you know, I don't, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about myself. So I am a son, right? I am a husband. I, I, although I wasn't a husband before diabetes, but like, you know, that, that's a, a stable part of me that, and it hasn't, it really hasn't mm -hmm. changed me. Um, I, I enjoy um, being outside. Those things about me haven't changed. And so if I can see that life, that, that there are certainly parts of my behavior, parts of my day that have changed, sometimes I don't feel great because of diabetes, that sucks, but it hasn't changed who I am. And that can, and that, that can help you to accept the fact that you have this extra thing going on. The other thing I'd re recommend is allowing yourself to mourn, allowing yourself to mourn the loss of 
what diabetes has taken away from you, but also be careful not to believe the diabetes has taken more away from you than it actually has. Um, you know, being diagnosed with diabetes is a traumatic experience um, for some people more than others, depending on lots of things, including like what's happened with well, what happened when they're diagnosed, whether they were in the ICU or whether they were unconscious or whether they just went to the doctor. Uh, but it's traumatic and allowing yourself to process those feelings and to mourn that loss, just like the, just like you might mourn the loss of a pet or 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 the loss of um, something else is important to you and valuable to you. You're mourning the loss of um part of your health and part of your, uh, your old life and allowing yourself to process that in the same way, um, is going to help you. Uh, but at the same time, and, and this, and this is a very ironic thing to say, but the other part of this is by the best way to accept something is to lean into it and not try to lean out. of it. You know, when we say, I don't want, don't want to accept it, you kind of, lean, you lean out, but if you lean in, you manage diabetes, you take care of your blood sugars, you talk about it, you process your feelings. Um, and you, it, that, is, that is the best way to accept this new reality. Also, and then finally, um, get community. Um, the best way to accept it is to see other people th- who are thriving and see that it does, it's not a, not a death sentence. It's not, life hasn't changed in any, well, life hasn't changed in, in a dramatic way. It doesn't have to change in a, in a way that maybe you have perceived it in your mind. And that makes acceptance a lot more palatable. Yeah. Wow. That was so powerful. And I know this question was submitted by a mother who Mm -hmm. has a daughter who was recently diagnosed. And so that mother did our program. And I thought that was awesome. Also, not only for the other type one diabetics in the group, but also for that mom to see these other, you know, strong women that are powerful and are just as capable, you know, to achieve whatever goals or follow their passions. So, um, you know, having, the acceptance piece for both, right? Like family Mm -hmm. partners to also like mourn and accept that too. And then for us, um, so powerful and yeah, I was diagnosed older. So I definitely have had more years without diabetes than with diabetes. Um, so I haven't hit that like breaking point (laughs) where it kind of evens out. Um, but I, I would say, you know, my own game changer was definitely the community piece. I needed that so much. And I didn't realize as like a young adult that that social piece played such a big role and gives so much comfort. So I'm glad that there are spaces now and more groups that are just popping up for people to connect. I think it's the most powerful thing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Third question. How do how to go about finding a therapist well-versed in the challenges of chronic illness. <laughs> That's the, the million dollar question. I know. So, <laughs> so if you are looking for a therapist who has a working knowledge of diabetes, the best place I would say to go is, um, I don't know the website because the website's actually really funky, but um, the ADA mental health provider directory. The American Diabetes Association has a provider directory. It's not particularly user, it's not particularly user-friendly, unfortunately, um, but it's there. Like, you can go to it. If you Google it, you'll find it. Um, you put it in your zip code and make sure that you put in the search, the, the, the distance to, to be fairly wide, and it will give you all the providers in your area um, that understand diabetes. And now I have to say, with, say this with a little bit of a caveat. The way that the provider directory was developed is continuing to be developed is there are people who are grandfathered in. Um, and what that means is like, like myself, I 
basically showed them my credentials. I, I, I was able to, you know, um, convince them that I have this experience, didn't need any additional training, and I was, I was allowed in. Other people um, may that you can take, take a one a, a full day class um, and then take some additional continuing education training and, and be in the directory. And so there's a wide variety of folks in the directory in terms of their experience with diabetes. Um, and so you want to you know ask good questions and and understand you know how comfortable are you with someone who you know seeing someone who's living with diabetes. I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but a great way of doing it is just kind of by throwing out a bunch of lingo. You know, yeah, I took my Atlantis last night, I went low, and then I changed my basal rate and see if they and see if they blink an eye and see or see if they ask me questions. <laughs> and if they if they don't or they don't like, what's a basal rate? Then you know that this the pro, the person is probably not going to be well versed for you. Um, but I also want to remind you, um, the person asking the question is that you have to ask yourself, you know, why is it that I need therapy? Um, and you know, I, I don't know who you are. And so I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the one going to be the one to judge whether you need therapy or not. I think that's really a personal decision, but I want to ask you, can you get the support that you're looking for, um, in another way, uh, from a coaching program like yours, um, from one of my digital programs, from a, from a book, from other places, because I, I really, my, my mission here is to really redefine how we think about mental health and type one diabetes. And that goes beyond therapy. And we don't need therapists. We need therapists for, for, for certain things, but there are lots of good reasons why you don't need a therapist, but you can still get the mental health support that you need. And um, it's only a question that you can answer personally. I like that. I think asking ourselves that question before. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's easy to lean into certain things just because sometimes a little scary to look inward or like, you know, check on your own inner voice and like what's going Mm -hmm. on. So I love that. That's great. Um, okay. This is the last question. This one was actually from me. (laughs) So I was curious to know what your go-to practices are for supporting your own mental health. Like if you're having burnout, you're having a bad day or, Mm -hmm you know, what are your go-to practices for getting grounded or feeling better? Yeah. So a, cu- a couple of things. The first thing is consistency. I really like routines in my life and especially around my diabetes. So I, I'm not always, and I, I will be the first to admit that I'm all, I can, I, I am saying this and I, I practice it most of the time, but not all the time. Um, for example, my blood sugar is currently 215 because I had a couple of, um, uh, Valentine's Day candies that I bought on sale a couple of days ago, um, b- before our meeting or before this call. Um, but things like, you know, I don't eat carbs for breakfast in general, because I know that if I do, my blood sugars will be high for the rest of the day and I'll be frustrated and I'll be like paying, I'll be, I'll be trying to like give myself to be, be frustrated that my blood sugar is not coming down. Um, I, you know, I try to, you know, run by a playbook and I, I eat a wide variety of food, but I'm able to, you know, bolus forward appropriately. And those are just kind of like regular management things, but the diabetes management and diabetes, understanding diabetes is a big form of self-care because if you don't understand diabetes, you're not steady on your feet, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be upset. And so understanding what works for you and what doesn't work for you is extremely important. Um, I exercise regularly. I, I, you know, it, that just, it's, it's a way for me to get grounded and forget. I mean, aside from my blood sugar, it's like, just, it allows me to relieve that stress. I'm a Peloton user. And I, I love my Peloton because, um, one, there's a big diabetes community there, but also like their, their workouts are just super empowering and super, uh, um, they're, they're great. And I can, um, and also get a great workout. 
Um, and then I am a big fan of mindfulness. I practice mindfulness myself and I practice mindfulness with my patients on a regular basis because, you know, for those of you who don't know what mindfulness is, mindfulness is being intentionally in the present moment without judging your experience. So for example, again, me right now, my blood sugar is 215. I'm feeling a little bit mad at myself for, you know, not being able to bowl correctly for four um, Hershey kisses, but that, that is what it is. And I can, I can notice that experience. I can notice my frustration with myself, but I don't buy into it. I mean, or I'm trying not to buy into it. And because when you buy into something, your mind goes from the present moment to the future or to the past. And guess what? You can't do anything to manage your diabetes and you can't do anything to manage your stress anywhere, but right here, right now. And so by finding ways to stay grounded and stay present, it makes things a whole lot easier. Oh yeah. And nothing keeps us as present as <laughs> our diabetes, right? I always think that sometimes I'm grateful for that um, part of diabetes because we are seeing this number in like real time. And mm-hmm. it really makes me tap into my feelings and my emotions just to see like, how am I feeling with this experience? And like, what usually makes me feel better? And I think, like you said, leaning on those strategies that we have or things that have worked for us um, gives that comfort when you're feeling those feelings and you can kind of move past that. But yeah, I agree. I think the grounding and meditating, staying present and not buying into kind of like that dialogue that tends to cloud our headspace sometimes always makes me feel better too. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I love that there's a diabetes Peloton community. I did not know that. I'm like, that's fun. Well, yeah. Well, so, so the head instructor on Peloton, her name is Robin. She has type one diabetes. Oh, I didn't know and, that. And so when you see her working out on the bike or on the tread, she had, you can see her, usually see her devices on her arms. Um, but then there's also, and, but they also have hashtags um, that you can put on your profile. And so there's a, I mean, I don't want to say it's huge, but there's certainly a significant uh, hashtag T1D, hashtag T1D looks like me um, community there. Oh, that is so fun. Now I'm thinking about it. Actually, maybe I did know that. I remember I went to an endo appointment and my doctor was like, Hey, have you seen that lady on the bike? And I didn't know what (laughs) I did. Now I'm like putting it together because I was like, No, what lady? I didn't know what bike he's talking about, but I'm sure Uh, it's on. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, that's awesome. And I'm glad that there is that on your profile so you can connect with even more people. Um, that's great. Do you have a group of like in-person friends in San Diego that you meet up with or anything that are type one diabetics? Um, yes and no. I, I mean, I, I, some, there, there are some weeks where I talk to more people who have, who have diabetes and who don't. So, um, it's actually nice for me to get away from it some, every once in a while, but yeah, I do have, I have a group of friends who have diabetes. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I talk to them regularly, but sometimes I have to ask myself when I'm seeing somebody, uh, or meeting up with somebody, whether or not they have diabetes or not. Cause it's, I, it's hard to remember because to, to me, I, I think you're, you're the odd one out if you don't have diabetes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, my, my, my wife does not have diabetes. Um, and my, I have a three-year-old daughter who. Um, she, I mean, she has no idea what it is, but she'll say, she'll like, is your pump okay? Or she'll ask me the kids questions about my pump or about my, my sensor, or she'll like bring me low treats when she, and she's like, would you like us would you like some medicine? And she hands me a thing of Smarties. (laughs) That's so precious. I love that. (laughs) So, but, um, it's kind of nice to be able to go home and not have to think about, I mean, not have to think about anybody else's diabetes, but my own. 
Yeah, yeah, that's nice. I know. But yeah, but, but, I, but the answer is like, yes, I have plenty of people I know in San Diego and other places that have diabetes. Yeah, I know. It's so interesting. I feel like I definitely have more friends on like the virtual online space that are type 1 diabetics. But in this last year, I've gotten to meet a lot of them in person. They just live in different states, you know, so we're far. But I have mm-hmm. met some along the way. And it's been so interesting. Like last summer was the first time I like ate a meal with another diabetic and we were both like mm-hmm. dosing. It was like such a um, fun experience because I was like, wow, I've never actually sat with someone and like talked about diabetes before we're going to eat a meal. Um, so yeah. that, was, that was fun. Um, and I love your daughter and how she's so like intuitive and like, no, and like watches you, you know, and sees yeah. what's going on because I have students. So I work with different students on the spectrum and they're adults. So they're the ages of 18 to 22 and they're in an adult transition program. And if my alarms go off or anything, they're like, oh no, Miss Val, do I need to call 911? Do I need to call 911? <laughs> I'm like, no, I know the alert sounds scary, but I'm okay. <laughs> but it's been fun to even teach them like, you know, this is what I'm doing or, you know, this is why I'm drinking a juice um, just to like get them exposed also. And, and also talking about when they see like my Dexcom patch or my pump, like, you know, they're always like, what's that? What's that? Are you okay? And just even having those conversations of explaining, like, these are medical devices. They help me live, um, has been, um, a nice experience. And also I always say like wearing all these devices has made me meet other diabetics. So that mm-hmm. part's cool too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Last thing, um, if you have time, just any of your top three tips or recommendations for navigating mental health. And I thought of this more so if someone's in a spot now where they feel like they need that support or they're really feeling low or things are feeling heavy, what are maybe like two or three tips that maybe can help guide them out of that or places they can go or spaces they can go to feel good? Yeah. So the first thing I would do is I would, I would say is find support. And support can mean a lot of different things. And so it doesn't necessarily mean finding somebody else with diabetes to have lunch with. Can, but, you know, ask your mom, ask your boyfriend, ask your um, your best friend from high school. It doesn't matter um, for support. I, but what that means is let them know how you're, how you're feeling. I think that so many people keep it to themselves because they think that what they're feeling is normal or they can't actually explain what they're feeling. That they don't, don't even talk about it. And then it just, it just festers. And so be able to ask for support from your doctor. Uh, you know, for, you can think of a, a wide variety of folks you can get support from. And for folks who don't have diabetes that, that, if you, that you're asking support for support from, I think it's important to recognize you need to be able to be very specific as to what you need. Because I think we've all been in this position where someone without diabetes has tried to help us and they have not helped us because they've been, they have told us, given us advice or told us to do something that was not particularly helpful. Um, and so people want guidance. So if you, if you want someone to just let you vent and not say a word, let them know. If you want someone to take a walk with you or help you count the carbs of the, of the, of the dinner you're eating, let them know, like, but be very specific. That's number one. Number two is cut yourself some slack you know, recognize that this is tough and, but also recognize that you could handle it, recognize like all the strength that you've gotten from diabetes over the past, however long you've been living with diabetes and like, look at the ways that diabetes has made you stronger, because I guarantee you that there are ways that diabetes has made you stronger. Even if you don't recognize that right now, if you, if you think hard enough, you'll find them. And then the, the third thing is, is, you know, get support or, you know, 
reach out for the support that you need, whether it's from a coaching program, whether it's from a therapist, whether it's from, you know, my website, um, and just like learn about what mental health is and what the challenges are and, you know, learn some skills and tools that you can use to overcome those challenges, whether they're, whether it's mindfulness or whether it's breathing or whether it's, you know, figure out how to take a safe diabetes vacation, you know, vacation from diabetes management. Um, it's possible for sure. Um, but you've got to be able to look, look for and ask for that kind of support. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Having to, you know, use your voice, find those places, advocate, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all, it's all part of it. Um, and I think, you know, I just had a conversation with a past client that we had inside of our program Mm -hmm. and she was approaching a situation just with like going to a doctor's appointment and, you know, finding that voice to advocate on like, Hey, what do I do if I undergo surgery? You know, like sometimes, and what I told her is sometimes those professionals, they don't just focus with diabetics, you know, they're seeing different patients come in for whatever surgery that is. And so being able to feel confident too to advocate in those spaces and just like ask for that support in those conversations, right. In the doctor's appointment, you know, and sometimes you'll be surprised. I've asked some doctors like, Hey, how do I meet diabetics? And they like, give me a pamphlet. And I'm like, Hey, you know, it's just a Mm. pamphlet, but I'm interested to know like what is out there because there is so much now, especially with all these leading voices and, um, ways to connect to really find that unique support that we're needing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So before we go, let us know, like, how can we find you? How can people connect with you? Um, I saw that you have a book coming out also. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I have a book coming out next month. It's called Diabetes Sucks and You Can Handle It. Um, and basically it takes people through a process of recognizing that, seeing the importance that diabetes sucks. And it's important that we recognize that and own it. Because if we don't, we're not doing ourselves any favors. Because we, because if you don't recognize the truth of what's going on for you, how you're feeling and what you have to do, you can't actually address it. On the same note, though, you can't, um, it's hard. You, if, if, you, if you believe diabetes sucks more than it actually does, then there's nothing you can do about it besides rating yourself in. So the first part of the book is all about recognizing the diabetes sucks, um, but you may be making it outward to be worse than it is. And the second part of the book is really giving you the skills that you need to be able to handle it, um, to be able to help, help you with mindfulness, both being present with help, helping you with seeing yourself in the context of diabetes, as opposed to being, as opposed to seeing yourself, you know, in as, as diabetes, um, helping you to find the support that you need, helping you to make decisions about when you might need therapy and when you, when you may need other, other types of support. So that book will be out, um, in, I don't have an exact date yet, but it'll be in late April. And I'm super excited about, um, you know, sharing this with the world. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the diabetes psychologist. Um, I'm there enough. I'll, I'll answer your DMS. (laughs) I don't post a ton, uh, but I'm more than happy to chat with you there. You can email me at mark at the diabetes psychologist.com. And, um, if you're interested in working with me, um, you know, certainly we, we have a long waiting list for, for, for one-on-one therapy. Um, but if you're interested in, in, in any of my programs, um, the, the, I would say the, the first one I would recommend is, is my membership program. We have a, a membership where we have um, every, every week we have a live, a live session with me where we do either a masterclass or a Q&A, diabetes, mental health Q&A. Uh, we do hot seat coaching. 
Um, it's all wrapped around a theme of the month. So, th- so this month, or this month, the theme is seeing yourself beyond diabetes and how, how, how do we help you to see yourself um, as more than a person with diabetes, but as a person who happens to live with diabetes. And we, we find that when we do that, we're able to, we're able to loosen up a little more. Uh, last month, the, the theme was self-compassion. Um, and we're going to be focusing on a theme every month. So if you're interested in joining, uh, we'd love to have you. Um, the website is www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. Um, and if you use coupon code community, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y, community, uh, you get your first month for $10. Wow, that's amazing. This and then is- also the, the, my podcast, which comes out every Thursday called the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. You can find it um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Like, how does he do it? That's a lot of things. <laughs> but again, so much support out there for everyone listening. And there's plenty of ways to connect with Mark and his team, join those master classes. Um, this is wonderful. And I'm excited. I want to read this book when it comes out. I just well, if, if you go to my Instagram profile right now um, and go to the, the link in my bio, you can uh, register for early access. I'm supporting for me in my launch team right now. And so if you sign up for that, um, you'll get a digital copy of the book in the next week or two. Um, and then uh, I'm going to ask you to support me on, during the launch, you know, spreading the word and, you know, buying a copy uh, when it comes on sale and uh, putting a review on Amazon, because that really helps me to amplify the voice of that. So if anybody's interested, go to um, my Instagram uh, profile that ID psychologist, go to the link in the bio. It's a funky looking link, but just click on it and you can put in your name and uh, email address and we'll sign you up for the launch team. Awesome. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, guys go check it out. Um, okay. So before we go, Mark, this was so great. I'm so glad you joined us. Um, I always like to ask this at the end, any mm-hmm. words of wisdom or advice for the veterans out there, someone newly diagnosed, um, anything that comes like from you? Yeah. When you travel, take lots of extra supplies. I love that. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly, but I, I, I can tell you in my younger stupider years, I, I have lots of horror stories for myself about um, being stuck in some pretty random places without enough diabetes supplies. Mm-hmm. So always be overprepared. <laughs> I like that. Yes. I've definitely traveled in my first year of having diabetes Every country I went to had different insulin, had different supplies. I thought I packed enough. I was like crying on benches outside of pharmacies. So yes, all the supplies that you can. I always joke that I took like an extra backpack with just supplies when I did Mm -hmm. like some backpack traveling. (laughs) Um, That's great. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Happy that you're a leading voice in the space and in the community. I'm happy that we got to meet and I look forward to seeing all the support you continue to provide. And I'm excited to see this book. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.